the hosts coming back on spring break. We hope you had a good time, restful time on spring break. Uh, for those who are with us for the first time today, uh, we are so thankful you decided to worship with us today. We are without a doubt a community on mission to make great the name of Jesus. And before we jump back into Ephesians chapter 3, I just want to bring it to our te- attention that Easter is three weeks away. And with Easter comes a lot of opportunity, especially in our culture, for those that don't typically attend a church gathering, to come in and just hear the gospel. And when we celebrate the resurrection on Easter Sunday, um, the innate message and truth that the resurrection brings, it demands a response. Because if Jesus is still alive, if he truly rose from the dead, our lives cannot be the same. And so because of that, we want to do whatever we can as a church to get as many people into this room to hear the gospel with the hopes of them responding in salvation. You know, one of our core values as a church is is missional urgency. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going all in. We're hoping and praying to see a move of God. Um, We are very much a church that believes we all have the responsibility to go and tell and share the gospel outside the walls of our gathering here, which we'll talk about today in Ephesians chapter 3. But we also know that the Bible also shows us several different examples of people inviting people into their life to come and see, to come and hear about what God has done. We see it all throughout the Old Testament. We see it in the Psalms. We see it with the disciples. We see it with Jesus and his ministry. We see it in the book of Acts. And so with that, here at New City, we seek to do both. I mean, all throughout the year, we encourage go and tell ministry. Like, get the gospel out into the world, out into our neighborhoods, our workplace, on campuses, in our community. But a few times a year, uh, with times like Easter, we use special days and events and encourage come and see, come and hear evangelism. And if there's any date that is geared towards come and see, come and hear the gospel, it's Easter Sunday. Like, that's at the top of the list. Yes, Easter is a time to celebrate and remember the resurrection in our own life, but it's also a time to invite others to come and hear about the power of the resurrection. And because of this opportunity tonight, we're actually going to come back here into this room for a night of prayer and worship to kick off our 21 days of prayer and fasting leading up to Easter, just praying for a move of God. We're going to spend time praying over just people in our life that that we are close to, but they are far from God. And so we're going to pray that they would come and hear the gospel, respond and be saved. And when we come together and we, uh, as a collective people, and we beg God and we sing and pray, uh, God does a work in our own hearts. Both singing and praying, they both, they build our faith and they also are our courage. And so what do we do? We sing and we pray with our church family. We beg God to move. And each and every time we do this, in some way God moves. And trust me, this is something that you don't want to miss. These nights of prayer and worship that we do just a few times a year are a major part of not just of what we do, but it's a window into who we are. We are a church that believes so passionately in a big God that loves to hear his people pray. And when we pray, God moves. It is an act of worship. New City, we are a praying people. We are a dependent people. And these nights are just a simple reflection of that. And so again, I want to encourage you to do whatever you can to be here, to come in with names and people just to pray over, and let's expect God to move and to save this Easter. And so tonight, but that's tonight, but this morning, in Ephesians chapter 3, we're right in step with that same idea. You know, over the next few weeks leading up to Easter, in Ephesians chapter 3, we see Paul begin to focus on advancing the gospel. 
If Ephesians chapter 1 was focused on our individual gospel identity, in Ephesians chapter 2, we saw, we saw Paul begin to shift from me to we as a collective, seeing our collective gospel identity as the church. Then in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul then moves outside the church. He's moved, he moves from me to we to them. And so the last couple of weeks, uh, they've all been about the church and how God calls us into a new community, how we're called to display unity and to draw towards one another, how part of our gospel identity, it comes with a new family that we call the local church. And today we'll see that. Uh, we'll see that we, the local cho- church, those who profess faith in Jesus, we have a new mission. We have a new ministry, seeing very quickly our, our main idea. The gospel gives us a new ministry. Like this is part of our new identity. We, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that when we are in Christ, we are then called ministers of reconciliation. Meaning when you become a Christ follower, you then enter into the ministry. Like ministry is not just for pastors and it's not just for missionaries or people on a paid ministry staff. No, gospel ministry is for everyone who calls Jesus Lord. Which means if you are a Christian, God has called you into gospel ministry. Yes, some people are called to exercise different gifts at different levels and in different ways. And yes, some are called into ministry as a career, maybe as a cross-cultural missionary, for example, to advance the gospel in an unreached place. And yes, some are called into pastoral ministry, specifically to shepherd and care and to preach and teach the word. But the point I want to make here is that every person who calls Jesus Lord has a calling from God to be a minister of the gospel. And today, when we talk about gospel ministry, we're talking about gospel advancement. Just sharing and proclaiming the gospel. We're talking about evangelism. And yes, evangelism, uh, which is sharing our faith, it's a spiritual gift for some. And it can also be a vocation for some. But it's also a command for every believer. It's for every person that calls Jesus Lord. There is no Christian that is exempt from this. When Jesus commanded us to go and make disciples right before he left the earth, we know uh, that making disciples, it includes evangelism. Like someone else becoming a Christian is the very first step in making disciples. Yes, evangelism is a spiritual gift for some, but it's also a discipline for everyone that every Christian is called to exercise and develop. And yes, I know some are better at it than others. Me personally, I'm not really that great at it, but I still do it. We have to be disciplined to do it. And I don't think this should surprise us whether we're a Christian or not because if you think about it, if we really believe that we have the best news ever told, which we as a church, we do believe that, if this came from God, then it's not crazy for us to think that God would call us, all of us, to share this. The gospel of Jesus Christ, it is a message to proclaim, like it's words to share and to tell. So that said, let's go ahead and read our text and then we'll have several points and thoughts just on gospel ministry. Look at chapter 3, verse, starting in verse 1. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insights into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the spirit this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given me by the working of his power 
And so Paul uh, is be, uh, beginning to speak about his own ministry, and then in verse 7, we really see the idea of gospel ministry really come alive. And also in the verses prior to that, in 1 through 6, we see how Paul calls himself a steward of God's grace, how the mystery of the gospel was made known to him, right? just bringing us more insight into gospel ministry. But we'll, talk, we'll walk back through those seven verses and draw six, uh, six thoughts that we see in our text for ministry. And, and here they are. Number one, gospel ministry comes with a cost. Number two, gospel ministry begins in our own hearts. Three, gospel ministry is a work of the Spirit. Gospel ministry exalts Jesus. Gospel ministry welcomes all people into a new family. And lastly, gospel ministry is a display of grace and power. So there's a lot there, uh, but we'll, we'll, they'll each be quick, so hang with me. But before we go back through this, thinking about evangelism and ministry, I just want to point out that if you're not a Christian here today, I think we can agree that if we as Christians, if we truly believed something was so good and so incredible and so life-changing that totally alters eternity in a good way, which again, we believe that, and we just never told you about it, if you're not a Christian, and we never told you, and we just kind of kept it to ourselves, I think just maybe we could agree that you'd be like, what's wrong with you people? Like you're saying you've got the best news on the planet and you're not telling people. And so when we as Christians share Jesus with you, I just want to, I just want like, this is not us trying to cram it down your throat. No, you have to see this as a display of love. <laughs> you know, several years ago, I went on a mission trip with one other guy to, to South Asia. Um, we went to train and teach other pastors um, in some of their, uh, just how to make disciples and how to teach others and how to share their faith. And on that trip, my friend, the guy that came with me, he was a little under the weather. He had like a minor sore throat. Um, he was coughing some. He had a little bit of congestion. But he didn't want to miss the trip that he had paid for, and so he decided to fight through it. We didn't get better. Um, actually, he got progressively worse. He kind of kept coughing and coughing throughout the trip. But you know what? He never really complained about it. He never said much. And so we, walked, we actually walked by several pharmacies in South Asia while we were there, and the local guys would say, hey, you want to get some medicine? He'd be like, nah, I I'm good. Nah, I'm good. At the end of the trip, um, we were walking through the airport on the way home, and he was like, dude, I have got to get some cough drops. Like, I am, I'm dying. I've got to get some cough drops. And I looked at him, and I was like, well, um, I've got some. Like, I've got a whole bag of cough drops and medicine, like, right here in my book bag. And y'all, like, he just immediately stopped. He just froze, and he just totally stared at me in just total disbelief. Like, he gave me a look like I just had killed someone. Because, like, I mean, his mouth was just, like, to the ground. He was like, you've had cough drops and medicine this entire time, and you're just now telling me? Now, to my defense, I mean, he never asked, okay? And number two, we did walk by several pharmacies, and he kept saying, nah, I'm good, I'll be okay. And so I just made the assumption he really didn't want any medicine. Like, he acted like he was fine. Well, come to find out, he did that because he was so nervous to take medicine from a place where he couldn't read the label. And he wasn't sure what it was all, like what it was. And so he was just so nervous. He was so, in so much pain the whole time. But, um, but me, I had all the things he needed. All the things he was familiar with the entire time, like right there in my book bag, like the entire week. And so let's just say when he found out all the medicine he needed was in my bag, he wasn't real happy with me. Yes, it was one of those dumb and dumber moments. And yes, maybe it was a bonehead moment for me and my wife when she heard this. She wasn't surprised like at all. But this is the point I want to make with this, okay? Like, there are people all around us that are sick and searching for hope. And maybe like my friend, they kind of down, downplay what's going on. 
But here we are with the medicine of the gospel that they're looking for in our hands. But oftentimes we just miss it or we just fail to give it to them. And I think that many of us would agree that sometimes evangelism can be challenging. And there are all sorts of reasons as to why. But I think it begs the question, if we have the best news on the planet, why can we still be so reserved to share it at times? And yet, oftentimes, it's because like, we, we have other loves. Because greater and more important, like we have, we have other things that become more important to us. And with that, the gospel, sadly, it just kind of loses its luster in our life. It's like the best news on the planet can seem commonplace, and we grow just kind of somewhat apathetic towards it. Because I think we can all agree that it's true that we speak much about the things that we love most in life, the things that we're passionate about. And so yes, our passion, it can easily ebb and flow. But I would argue and I, that it's also more than that. And I think Paul would too. Look back at uh, what Paul said in verse 1 of chapter 3. He said, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, Okay, so we're going to stop there because uh, Paul, back in chapter 2, he was showing us how we, the church, are the holy temple of God. I mean, he's kind of been going on and on about who we are in Christ, about our gospel identity, how when, when a person becomes a Christian, like we get a new identity in Christ, both individually and also collectively as the church. Paul spent, has spent two chapters articulating the gospel. Because of Jesus, we're no longer far from God, but brought near to God. How we're no longer guilty, but free. That through the blood of Jesus at the cross, we're deemed innocent. Our sin is totally gone. This happens by Jesus, through Jesus, and Jesus alone. Like God of the cross, he purchased us as his children. He adopted us into the family of God. You know, Paul went on and on, again, for two chapters about who we are when we are in Christ. And this is our good news. Like This is the Christian gospel that Jesus came down to earth. He died and rose again. And that by believing in Jesus, we're given new life. And by this message, we're given a new, fresh start forever into eternity. We didn't, we didn't earn this. Jesus earned it for us. Like This is our incredible news. And Paul just said, and for this reason... I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. Meaning, Paul went to prison for the sake of preaching about Jesus. So that the Gentiles, everyone who was not an ethnic Jew, could come into the family of God. And so let's just stop and think about this for a second. Paul, a Jew, he preached the gospel to other people, like doing ministry, advancing the gospel, and because of this, he was put into jail. Like there was a great cost attached to doing ministry showing us number one gospel ministry comes with a cost no we may not be put into jail for sharing the gospel here in the united states but in other parts of the world this is often the case there is a cost to doing ministry and although we likely won't go to jail here we still may be ridiculed or or, or rejected or shamed relationally because of it or maybe the cost is our time and energy. Laboring with people can oftentimes just be hard and challenging. I mean, connecting with new people and befriending others, for many of us, this can be hard and taxing. It's easier just to stay in our, in our safe bubble of Christian friends. But New City, doing gospel ministry is costly. This should be the expectation for all Christians because we're all called into gospel ministry. But then, then also, those who, call, who God calls into vocational ministry as a career or into a leadership role of some sort, or really anybody who seeks to increase their influence of ministry in any capacity, there is a cost to that. Because you're essentially stepping into full-time spiritual war. 
Because the more we seek to push back darkness, darkness pushes back. I know very few uh, church planters or missionaries or evangelists or pastors or anyone seeking to take new ground and advance the gospel in any new way that hasn't gone through intensified spiritual warfare of some sort. And why? Because the enemy wants to do whatever he can to stop the gospel from advancing. Missionaries, church planters, pastors, community leaders, and those seeking to proclaim Christ, we must understand spiritual warfare is the expectation. It's the norm. And so why is it so hard for us to proclaim Jesus? Again, there are a lot of reasons. But if I had to say one that covers them all, it's because we have an enemy that wants to do whatever he can to stop us from sharing Jesus. And that looks like just waves of apathy. It looks like distractions or busyness. It looks like alluring us with other loves. It looks like fear of man and shame. Whatever it is that keeps us from proclaiming Jesus and advancing the gospel, we can be confident that those things do not come from God. They come straight from the pits of hell, trying to stop a movement of God founded under the name of Jesus. But New City, we cannot forget that Jesus Christ has left us with a mission and a ministry of proclaiming Jesus and advancing the gospel to the entire world. And may we be a church that takes every opportunity to do whatever it takes to see Jesus and his gospel proclaimed in advance. And so just at a practical level, let's just ask ourselves, what is it that may be keeping us from telling those in our life about Jesus? Like what would be keeping you from inviting someone who is far from God to church this Easter? Is it fear? Is it apathy? Is it the possibility of rejection? Or is it just easier not to? And and I want to be careful here because this can easily turn into guilt-driven motivation, which let me just say is not from God. Shame and guilt is not from the Lord. While at the same time, it is still really good for for all of us to just inspect and search out our hearts for what is keeping us from sharing Jesus. But let's keep moving. Look at verses, the next three verses. Paul says, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. And so I want you to notice something in these three verses as Paul talks about gospel ministry. Paul says in verse 2, he was given God's grace to steward, that God showed him grace and he gave it to him to give it to others. And then in verse 3, the mystery was made known to him. And then in verse 4, he says, he points out that he, Paul, has insights into the mystery of Christ. Essentially, Paul was making it known to the churches the gospel of grace was made known to him first, and that he was to then give it to others, showing us, number two, gospel ministry begins in our own hearts. And so this is so important for us, because before we can take the gospel to others, the gospel must first take root in our own hearts. If you're not a Christian here today, this is your call. Like respond to Christ, trust in Christ, give him your life. He's got medicine for your soul. It's the medicine of the gospel. And I think it's fair to say that you can't take the medicine of the gospel to others if we don't first have the medicine ourselves. We can't give what we don't have. Just like the medicine I had for my friend in my bag, if I did not have the medicine, that would not even be a story. But I had the medicine. I had the cough drops. I had all the things he needed. And so this today is just me offering you the medicine of the gospel. The medicine is to be multiplied and shared with others. Like take the medicine of Jesus. Give him your life. Trust in Jesus. He has new life to offer you. And then also for those who have trusted in Christ, 
Yet again today, let the gospel, let the medicine of the gospel take root in your heart again. No, no, don't not be saved again. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about letting the gospel of grace just minister to your own heart and soul today. Because again, I think we can agree, we won't be eager to give good news to others if we don't truly see it as good news ourselves. Maybe we know intellectually, uh, maybe we know it intellectually as good news, but yet today, just maybe we woke up and maybe we weren't overjoyed with joy because of the grace of God in our life. And I know I personally can't muster up affections in your heart to love Jesus more. I can only remind us of the gospel again and pray that it would just be a fresh fire again. New City, we have to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. Like there are so many truths of the gospel that we just forget. We're such a forgetful people. And when we say we need to preach these truths to ourselves, we're essentially remembering and declaring these basic truths over ourselves every day because we so easily forget them and our eyes so easily get fixated on other things. And here are just a few diamonds and just implications of the gospel just to hold on to. Christian, remember these again today. That by the bloodshed of Jesus, the God of the universe looks at you and says, you're redeemed, you're loved, you're precious, you're beautiful, you're God's child. Because of the cross of Jesus Christ, God doesn't look at you and shame you. He doesn't look at you and see your sin. No, because of the cross, he looks at you with joy and he looks at you with a smile on his face. Because of Jesus, he says, you're my beloved. He says, you're my gospel warrior. He says to you, I have great plans for your life. I'm making you into something special. You can rest and you can be at peace today. And you know what? It's not because you proved yourself to him. It's not because you tried super hard and you were super disciplined to obey. It's not because of your performance. No, it's because of Jesus and only because of Jesus. It's because of grace. New City, this is our good news. This is our gospel of grace. Marvel at it yet again today. You're a child of God. You were chosen and adopted by the king of the universe. And you know what? When we remember the gospel and it takes root in our hearts, you know what happens? The spirit of God emboldens us and moves in us. When Paul was talking about this beautiful gospel, look what he said next in verse five. Paul said, which was not made known to, known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the spirit. Paul said the gospel was not made known to previous generations, but when Jesus came, he came bringing this gospel message that Jesus is the light, that he's our source of, that Jesus is our source of life. And this was made known through the apostles and prophets. But then it says at the end of verse five, it was made known and revealed by the Spirit. And we see this idea over and over again throughout the entire New Testament that the Spirit of God, part of what it does is to make Jesus known. The Spirit's role is to illuminate Jesus, is to shine a light onto Jesus, which tells us that whenever the gospel is proclaimed, whenever Jesus is rightly taught and made known, the Spirit is at work. Showing us, number three, gospel ministry is a work of the Spirit. And this is so freeing and so comforting for us because, yes, we have a human responsibility to proclaim Jesus and to advance the gospel. It is a God-given responsibility given to us to live out. While at the same time, when it happens, that's evidence that the Spirit is at work. Because when we proclaim Jesus, because we proclaim Jesus, but the Spirit of God, it does all the work. God is the one who saves people, not us. Yes, uh, I had the medicine uh, in my bag for my friend, and yes, I, I had to give it to him. But guess what? That medicine, it still had to do its job. 
I couldn't heal my friend from his sickness. The medicine still had to heal him. Y'all, we're simply the messengers of the gospel that have been given a message to deliver, and then God opens up blind eyes to see the beauty of Jesus. Your city, we faithfully preach and teach and share and proclaim as if it were up to us, while at the same time we trust and have faith knowing it's totally up to God. We labor like it's on our shoulders, but rest in contentment knowing it's on God's shoulders. So number three, gospel ministry is the work of the Spirit. But then also over the last few verses, we've also seen that number four, gospel ministry exalts Jesus. You know, back in verse four, Paul mentioned his insights into the mystery of Christ, speaking about Jesus. Part of Paul's ministry and also our ministry is making Jesus known. And in verse five, Paul continues on with that same theme of making Jesus known, revealing Jesus to the world. Proclaiming Jesus to the world and exalting Jesus, this is the ministry that God has given us. You know, we can do a lot of things that are called ministry. We can encourage and spur on. We can love people well. We can serve our city and those around us. We can teach right and wrong. But if Jesus is not exalted, if Jesus is not the motivation for change, if a bloody cross that teaches the exclusivity of Jesus is not preached, it's not gospel ministry, it's just religious moralism. Now, I don't care how someone feels, like if they get the warm and fuzzies or if they feel like if they leave with a smile on their face. If Jesus is not the cornerstone and the building block of ministry, it's not true gospel ministry. And the sad part about this is that so much of the American church has been around ministries that do a lot of good for the community. But yet Jesus isn't exalted. And quite frankly, quite frankly this is extremely dangerous. Because it seems so close to the real thing, but the sad reality is it keeps people from the true gospel. It's so close to being perceived as the real thing, yet it keeps people immune to the real thing, to where it has no lasting effects. And please hear me, when we're all about serving our community. Like we're, we're doing it this week through Serve Week. We're all about it. We do it, but we're doing it with the hopes and prayers of exalting Jesus we want to display the love of Jesus and also proclaim the love of Jesus. We do both. And so we saw this in verse 4, verse 5, and then also in verse 6. Look at it. The mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Paul is saying that the Gentiles, the non-Jews, everybody else, which is us, we are added to the family of God and we're grafted into the promise that God gave his people back in the Old Testament. We're grafted into that through the good news of Jesus. And so if Jesus is, isn't a part of the equation, we don't get the promise of eternal life. We don't get the peace and eternal rest that God gave his people. Again, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus is essential to gospel ministry. It is our hope and power. But then also in verse 6, we also see Paul say that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body. And you see, this is so good. This is good news for us today because this includes us. The gospel of Jesus Christ shows us, number five, gospel ministry welcomes all people into a new family. Like This is incredible because it shows the all-inclusive, welcoming nature of the gospel for all people all around the world. The gospel is not only for the religious and morally elite. It's not only for those who grew up in a Christian home. It's not only for those who do all the right things. The gospel of Jesus Christ does not discriminate. 
No, it is for all people in all walks of life with all different backgrounds and struggles. It doesn't matter how deep of sin you may be in. It doesn't matter what you know or what you don't know. The only thing that matters is that you give your life to Jesus. And yes, I want to affirm that Christianity is extremely exclusive to Jesus and only Jesus. The path to God is narrow. Jesus is the only way. While at the exact same time, it is also vastly inclusive to all people all over the world from all walks of life and all different struggles and backgrounds. It's for, it's for criminals and it's for the Mother Teresas of the world. Y'all, this is why we send missionaries all over the world. This is why no person is off limits to faith in Jesus. This is why we've been praying from the very beginning. We've been praying for over four years since 2018 from before our church ever existed that we would see prostitutes become prayer warriors, that we see drug addicts become disciple makers, convicts become church planters, the comfortable become courageous, the greedy to become generous, and those on the sidelines of faith sent out all over the world. And why do we pray for this? Because this is who the gospel is for. It's for all people. The gospel does not discriminate. You know what? This is also what the gospel does when it takes root in the hearts of people. It totally transforms lives. It changes people from the inside out. And why? Because of number six, gospel ministry is a display of grace and power. When we see people respond to the gospel and be saved and their life totally changed, that is nothing short but grace and power at work. Yes, when we step into gospel ministry, we're stepping into a spiritual war, but brothers and sisters, we're stepping into it with incredible power given to us by God. We're simply stepping into the opportunity to see grace and power, the grace and power of God put on display. When the gospel, when God takes someone who is far from God, who hates God, and the whole idea of Jesus and his exclusivity, and then over time their heart warms up to Jesus in the gospel and then accepts Jesus and it changes their life, that is God's power at work. Just taking a guy like Paul, who killed Christians, to then making him a Jesus follower and proclaimer, being used by God to turn the whole world upside down for the next 2,000 years. Y'all, that is grace. Paul did not earn that privilege. No, God gave it to him. And not because of what he did, but only because of Jesus. New City, that is grace. God takes our mess and he turns it into a masterpiece. God takes our worry and he turns it into worship. God takes our fears and he makes us fearless. God takes our passivity and apathy and he makes us truth proclaimers. And why? Because the spirit of God is at work. Because God's power and grace is at work. Which is what we see in verse 7. Look at it, our last verse. Paul says, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. So how did Paul become a minister of the gospel? It was by God's grace and power. If you're a follower of Jesus here today, you have been entrusted with the ministry of the gospel in church, new city. This is a privilege. We have news. We have a message about Jesus that will literally turn a person's life around for all of eternity. We have a message that is filled with power that can turn, take, a, take us from a state of depression and through the power of the Spirit calls us to sing with joy. We have a message that we get to proclaim that when believed and taken to heart and applied into our everyday life can take a marriage on the brink of, dis, of divorce and see it restored. And why? And how? Because when we understand God's grace to us as wicked sinners now called saints... How God brought us near to him in spite of our sin and rebellion and calls us his children. 
that God's grace, that grace God has shown us and it changes us, it affects us. You know what happens when we've been transformed by God's grace? We then just want to turn around and share it with others. And when that happens, when we show God's grace to others, the Spirit works and God's power, it's put on display. New City, this is our gospel ministry. Again, I don't know how you came in today. I don't know what's going on in your life. But today, if you are in Christ, God has given you a fresh new start. He has grace to give you today. He has grace to offer you again today. The old life is still gone and the new life is still here. That's our gospel identity every day. We're clean and free. And maybe you think, how can little old me be a minister of the gospel? Like, I don't know much. I don't know many people. My life, it's actually a mess. Maybe you think you're not that great with people. Whatever it is we say about ourselves, thinking that we're not qualified, the gospel tells us that if Christ is in us, we're qualified. No, maybe not for every leadership position inside the church. The Bible, yes, it has very clear boundaries and expectations for that. But if Christ is in you, your gospel ministry is to reach those who are far from God. Christian, you're qualified because he has filled you with power and he's given you his spirit. Maybe we could say it this way. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Listen, you don't have to be an eloquent speaker. You don't have to make friends easily. You don't have to be really smart and know the Bible really well. No, you just have to know Jesus Christ crucified. You only need to know the simple gospel. Because again, if you believe in Jesus, the Spirit of God is in you. And you know what? He delights in using people that know their weaknesses and understand their flaws. And why? Because that's the power of God at work. The power of God is made perfect in our weakness. In New City, as we end our time, I just want you to imagine with me what God can do with a small church like ours, about 150 people that are just sold out for Jesus, that will do whatever we can to make Jesus known. I mean, just, just dream with me about this. Like, I can't help but think when a collective group of people are devoted to Jesus and transformed by his grace and rely on his power, New City, God moves and God saves and God redeems. And why do, why do we know this? Because God has been doing this for over 2,000 years. And when we commit our lives to proclaiming Jesus to others around us, no matter where they are in life, the Spirit of God moves in power. As we said at the beginning, we are without a doubt a go and tell people. We don't sit and wait for people to come and hear the gospel. No, we take the gospel to the world. God has made that very clear. While at the same time, God has ordained times and ways from the very beginning when people will come in here. And as we said, Easter is that time. You know, we're planning to have twice as many chairs this Easter as we normally do on a Sunday morning. We're doing all that we can to create as much room as possible, putting out about 300 chairs. Like we'll have a robust seating and parking team doing all that we can to create room so that when you invite your friends and family, we'll have space for them. Just get this. If every person just brought one to two friends, every seat would be full. We would be overflowing. And please hear me, this is absolutely not an attendance thing. This is 100% a gospel ministry thing. This is a gospel advancement thing. We are begging and praying for God to save and restore people, to see lives changed by Jesus. Let's Let's just ask again, who is it in your life that is far from God but close to you? Who can you simply just invite to Easter this year? Who do you want to sit down with and share how Jesus has changed your life? New City, this is the mission that God has given us. We have a gospel ministry of proclaiming Jesus to the world, as we've seen today. 
You know what? It comes with a cost. It first takes root in our own hearts. It's a work of the Spirit. It exalts Jesus. It welcomes all people, and it is a display of God's grace and power. New City, this is our privilege and call. We have the medicine of the gospel in our bag to give away to a sick world in need of God's grace. May we do whatever it takes to make Jesus and his gospel known in the Tampa area and around the world. Like this is our God-given mission, and the mission is urgent. Let's pray. God, we're thankful that your grace is so sweet. God, we're thankful that, God, you delight in using broken people like us to make great and all-powerful God. God, we need your help. God, we're asking for just your spirit to just take root in the hearts of our people so that we would just be overflowing with joy, seeking to make Jesus known all around us. God, we pray for your help, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.